Section 15 of Our Search for a Wilderness by Mary Blair Beebe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We were told that white women had never before passed through that part of British Guiana. So unexpectedly did we arrive at midnight, and so early did we depart next morning, that perhaps our visit seems as unreal to the good father as it sometimes does to us like a very vivid dream which we can never forget he loaded us with gifts of coconuts and fruit and in the fresh coolness of early morning we again set forth on our journey just as we were paddling away the father ordered all his small boys into the water for their regular morning swim head first they went splashing about as gaily as a school of strange copper-colored fish we found as we went on that the maruca changed rapidly in character it was no wider but the water lilies and pampas grass disappeared and a softer finer grass covered the marsh dotted with a host of purple and yellow flowers rising from some aquatic plant isolated trees became more numerous and great woodpeckers resembling our splendid ivory bills looped here and there swallow-tailed kites dipped and soared and kiskadees shrieked near the occasional huts of the indians at noon we lunched on herbs wurst and jam at a protestant mission waramuri where a small colony of red-backed caciques were established a school of about fifty indian children were studying and reciting at the top of their lungs we left in an hour and from here on the maruca widened and consequently lost somewhat in interest the low elevation on which the english mission is built is composed wholly of fine white sand and beyond this mangroves began to appear and the foliage became less diversified we landed for an hour at a small coconut plantation and found a most ingenious method of improving time and space until the main crops should yield rice was planted in long narrow trenches which are flooded twice a day between these trenches the young coconut palms are placed and in the spaces separating the palms cassava and coffee are grown while between them in turn and around the edge of the trenches were plantain and tania the catch crops are thus made to pay for the price of the land and labor land virgin forest can be empoldered and ditched for thirty five dollars an acre the first year's two rice crops will repay this and continue to do so for five years when the coconuts will yield a regular income for fifty or sixty years this at least is the calculation of the agriculturist deer peccaries and capybara are found on this little clearing and we saw several of the latter animals running about among the underbrush on the bank mealy amazon parrots were nesting in an inaccessible stub ant birds of several species were by far the most abundant birds everywhere the undergrowth was flaming with sharp pointed scarlet blossoms on long stalks which a native called wild plantains below the plantation mangroves composed the only vegetation visible along the banks of the river 
and before long our canoe began to rise and fall with the swell of the sea for days the smell of the damp tropical marshes had filled the air and now we sniffed eagerly at the invigorating salt breeze we lowered the tarpaulin tied everything fast and prepared balers under the direction of marciano at last rounding a curve of the river we came in sight of the sea a vast stretch of turbulent brown water a kakoi heron and an american egret flew away with protesting croaks and we began to pitch and toss as we turned south beyond the outermost sprawling mangrove roots we had been warned on no account to make this part of the trip with other than full-blooded indian paddlers and when we saw the need for steady skilful work we were indeed glad that we had marciano and his good crew the waves were too muddy to break but they rolled high over the low rail of our canoe and we were soon soaked through and had to bail steadily to keep the frail craft from filling in the midst of all the excitement three splendid flamingos flew overhead one close behind the other necks and legs extended to the full we watched them until our eyes ached and then a dash of several quarts of salt muddy water in our faces brought us suddenly back to grim reality after we had paddled three or four miles we entered the broad mouth of the pomeroon turned close in along shore and finding a sheltered bite waited for the turning of the tide and to give our indians a much-needed rest the heavily laden canoe had given them a hard paddle against the wind and tide and we were to travel onward throughout all the night as dusk settled down a frigate bird swooped past followed by a large flock of several hundred boat-billed herons croaking like their relatives the night herons and on their way doubtless from some roosting place to their nocturnal feeding grounds for as they reached the water they scattered some going up the river others along the shore from the east straight across the whole width of the pomeroon came another great flocking a host of mealy amazon parrots flying as usual two and two close together by hundreds and by thousands they turned south along our bank and flew inland and were joined almost over the spot where our canoe was moored by another great multitude of their kind coming steadily down the coast at the very lowest estimate there were eight or ten thousand parrots once and only once we saw a solitary individual unaccompanied by a mate while still in view he attempted to attach himself to a pair of birds whereupon both dashed at the unfortunate intruder and drove him headlong out of sight below the level of the branches it is indeed a serious thing to lose one's mate if one is a parrot to be a widow or a widower is to be an outcast at ten minutes past six the parrots vanished in the dusk and true to its name a six o'clock bee a species of large cicada sent out its shrill whistle from the mangrove to which our canoe was tied here for the first time since we left farnham's 
we encountered mosquitoes and sand flies but oil of tar did much to discourage them it is a curious fact that although the prevailing wind blows in the direction from which we had come yet these troublesome insects are said never to pass beyond the line of the pomeroon's mouth after an hour of paddling we stopped for a supply of water at a tiny portuguese store built on piles and going by the name of pokapu it was a weird little place with rows of tiny shelves on which were bottles of lemon soda which was remarkably good and an assortment of ribbons knives and paddles for trade with the indians we purchased some well-made carob indian baskets and stumbled over a caged guan or maroodi as they called it ordered it sent to georgetown where it appeared the following week and is now a contented inmate of the new york zoological park at nine o'clock we started on our all-night paddle up the pomeroon like most tropical nights near the sea the air was chilly we rolled up in our blankets and anointed our faces with the tar oil the scientist chose as his night's couch one of the long sloping side seats the slope was only a fraction of a degree but gravity and drowsiness would invariably cause the downfall of the occupant of the seat much to the disturbance of the canoe's equilibrium as we lay and listened to the strange rhythm of the paddles and watched the brown current swash past the side of the boat we thought of all the exciting scenes this river and this coast had witnessed the ill-fated search for el dorado by sir walter raleigh then the capture and recapture of the colony no less than three times by dutch and british later came a period of great prosperity when hundreds of sugar plantations yielded great profits to their owners and the social life was as gay as that of our old virginia then followed the ruin of the sugar industry bands of runaway slaves taking to the wilderness and now today the chimneys of the old mills are often the only marks of former civilization which the jungle has not obliterated we skirted the mangroves for hours and saw nothing but an endless succession of those weird stilted plants while scores of four-eyed fish skipped and slithered over the mud or dashed across our bow attracted by the glow of our lantern in the electric light they looked pale and ghostly against the black mud at midnight we passed a light which showed the location of marlborough police station two hours later we heard weird music from a tom-tom and a four-toned fife or flute crude as it was it had a wild melody and the syncopated or ragtime was perfect we could see the hut near the water and hear the shouts of the dancers as we passed down the center of the river we were hailed by a canoe of half-drunken negroes who put off and wished to accompany us up the river marciano gave a low command and one of the indians muffled the lantern then all swung together in a new rhythm the full speed paddle rhythm of the caribs and we fairly flew through the water after every five minutes spurt our crew rested for a few seconds 
to locate our unwelcome pursuers at first they cursed us and paddled furiously but their tipsy efforts were no match for our lithe red men and the negroes soon dropped out of sight and hearing there was no moon but throughout all the night whenever we awoke the southern cross gleamed brilliantly down at us and almost in the zenith orion stood ever poised in his gigantic stride as usual frogs and toads furnished most of the nocturnal music and we spent an hour or more in classifying the various utterances among them was the telegraph toad who spoke in a regular make and break morse code sending his wireless messages to his mate another heard more rarely was what we called the wing-beat frog this species gave out a muffled throbbing roar like the hurried wing-beats of a swan in full flight it would last for five seconds to be answered instantly by another across the river from the wonderland of the narrow biara we had come out upon the boundless expanse of the ocean passing thence to this splendid river a half mile across but we had far from finished the experiences and variety of this ever to be remembered trip at daybreak we pushed through a tangled mass of lilies and water hyacinths into a tiny cano or creek and in a soft rain while the tired indians slept beneath protecting palm leaves we cooked herbswurst and cocoa the morning chorus was infinitely sweet from flocks of invisible songsters a trembling descending chord of three notes rising at the end in a plaintive questioning way at eight o'clock we went on again the indians apparently perfectly rested after their two hours sleep the pomeroon narrowed to about a hundred yards mangroves disappeared and mucka mucka with its oblong pineapple-like fruit took their place flowers were abundant white convolvulus wild sorrel pink with deep corollas large yellow blossoms with scarlet hearts and many other varieties four-eyed fish were still common and great rufous cuckoos lesser kiskadees and swallow-tailed kites were building nests at pickersgill police station we stopped for lunch these posts are the sole representatives of law and order in the wilderness and here the semi-military organization of negro police have their quarters most of them are men of unusually large size and in disposition they are pleasant and obliging they never fail to do their best to make us comfortable the duty of these men is varied besides being responsible for the good conduct of the inhabitants of their districts they keep account of shipments and all passing boats and passengers and stand ready to run down or rather paddle down fugitives from justice at each post are little rooms reserved for travelers and here any strangers with proper credentials are at liberty to swing their hammocks and make themselves at home the sergeant had just trapped a half dozen pretty blue and yellow violet euphonia tanagers in a mango tree near the station the usual colony of yellow-backed caciques was deserted at the time of our visit but had been occupied twice during the last year lying half in the water in front of the house was an anaconda fifteen feet long 
which had just been shot. We purchased thirty bananas for four pence, and with fried bananas and bacon, the unfailing and never cloying herbswurst, jam, educator crackers, and lime squash, we had a meal fit for the gods. At this point we left the Pomeroon and turned up the Harlepiaca for two hours, then into the last real river of our trip, the Tapacuma. This river was only about 75 feet wide, and with vegetation neither grand nor very luxuriant, principally etta palms and mucka mucka. While cocoa and clavelina blossoms were everywhere, and numerous lesser kiskadees were building, many small deserted estates appeared as the river grew narrower and morpho butterflies and silver-beaked tanagers haunted the half-overgrown ruins catching sight of a snake on an overhanging branch we persuaded marciano to steer close to it but as we reached out to seize it our indian's fears overcame him and he swung out quickly the serpent making its escape into the water it was a harmless species about five feet long and yellow-brown in color with the exception of the dead anaconda it was the only snake we had seen on our trip when we commented on this marciano relieved his feelings in two words me glad it was dead high tide although the water was fresh backed up by the salt tide further down the surface seemed to be covered with rubbish and at first glance it looked as unsavory as the water in a new york ferry slip but when we examined it the floatsome proved to be composed of a host of various nuts and seeds many of which were beginning to send out roots and leaflets they were of all shapes and sizes from large flat disc-like pods and round vegetable ivory nuts two smaller ones covered with corrugated husks fluted or polished like metal the river became still more narrow and twisted and turned to every point of the compass flowers were abundant and we noted at least twenty species with large and conspicuous blooms a bluebell blossom was especially characteristic of the tapacuma growing up from the water six to thirty inches there were few lilies and the predominating tree was one with sensitive foliage which went to sleep in the late afternoon several species of orchids in full flower were common and from one branch we pulled into the canoe a string of a dozen plants of a most fragrant white orchid epidendrum nocturnum the whole region was very different from that of the biara but no less interesting just before sunset we came to the fairyland of tapacuma lake we had zigzagged through many miles of tortuous channels with copper-colored indian hunters passing us now and then silently in their small canoes at last we came to a portage a gentle slope up which our canoe was dragged over the divide and into the great grassy expanse of water savanna in the center of which is the dark deep lake we walked a few yards into the woods to see some falls which turned out to be only a moderately foamy rapid and on the way we disturbed a large troop of monkeys which limbed off slowly through the branches 
and then hurried back to our boat for we were still far from anna regina where we planned to spend the night on and on we went the darkness settling quickly down a new castanet frog raised its voice this was really remarkable a syncopated oriental rhythm clicking musically and held by one frog for only a minute or two when another instantly took up the little tune this shifting of place the music sounding first here then further on made it seem as if some invisible dancer were swiftly whirling over the reeds and tools we could hear the clicking of the castanets and the tinkling of anklets and the thought was made more vivid as a bejeweled coolie woman passed us in a long narrow dugout paddled swiftly by her husband the water was very high and a wide new channel among the grasses so confused marciano that we paddled for an hour before we realized that we were lost we changed direction and guided ourselves by the stars passing some dense grass through which we had to push laboriously at last marciano sent a clear penetrating call through the night and the coolie answered far ahead and to the left we called twice after that and then came into a canal and soon were alongside two canoes blocked by a lock we would have as soon expected to find a motor-car here in the wilderness as a canal lock but nevertheless there was a canal lock with no one to operate it by our combined efforts we opened it passed through and found ourselves surrounded by miles of sugar-cane fields we had entered the back door as it were of the great sugar plantation of anna regina one of the few which are still in operation we were on the home stretch and the indian boys towed us the remaining distance running at full speed tumbling head over heels into the water and forgetting for once their usual indian stolidness they giggled and chattered as if they were out for a lark instead of having paddled a heavily laden canoe on thirty-six hour stretches at midnight we reached the end of the canal and a hundred yards up a road we found the anna regina police station the guard turned out cleared away the judge's bench and witness box in the courtroom and laid blankets for us on the benches as there were no rafters for our hammock ropes our indians would not come near the dreaded prison house but left our baggage at the entrance they said good-bye as they were to start back at once we had grown to have a real affection for these simple men and boys and found them the best of travelling companions silent courteous and wonderful workers may the time come when marciano will again pilot us through that beautiful region to which no pen or camera can do the slightest justice the following morning after a walk through the neighboring coolie village of henrietta where we purchased some yellow-bellied calistes and other birds we secured a carriage with a horse and a mule as motor power and drove to sudi taking the steamer thence down the essequibo river to georgetown end of section fifteen end of chapter seven through the coastal wilderness with indians and canoe